Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Hello, welcome back once again. This is Eric Ajna, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jennifer Lynn. Hey, Jen. Hi. We are back with a, a very special guest, actually. He is the urban Buddhist monk. He's a global public speaker and teacher of mindfulness meditation. He's also a spiritual counselor and founder of Canada, a mindful and kind nation. He's the recipient of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms from the government of Canada. He's also the recipient of the Canada 150 Medal and Sesequentennial Community Award from the government of Canada. He's also the recipient of the Spirit Award from the government of Ontario. A lot of different awards, yeah. Jen. He's known as the, Urbis, the Urban Monk, uh, which is an appropriate nomenclature for a Buddhist monk, especially for the time that we're living in. He's been acclaimed as a, a consummate teacher of meditation by a growing number of seekers, of spiritual and healthy life and peace of mind in North America and in Europe, and uh, who also admire his simple and all-embracing approach in transmitting the universal message of love, kindness, compassion, understanding, and wisdom. Everybody, welcome Bonte, the urban Buddhist monk. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Bonte. Hi, Jen. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. And we're definitely grateful to have you on. You look very nice. Yeah. And you look how we, exactly how we imagined you would look. <laughs> who, who can deny this, this color, you know? Like, yeah. you know, look at my robe color, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If I saw you walking down the street, I definitely know it was you. That's for sure. <laughs> It yeah. was actually funny in uh, in early 90s when I came to this country, I would walk on the streets as a typical Buddhist monk mm-hmm. and people were not familiar with uh, this color or this kind of uniform. And uh, I got some, um, you know, uh, mis- uh, mixed uh, reactions from the public. And some thought I was an alien from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and then there were a lot of people, actually, Canadians are actually very nice, very kind people. And uh, they were kind of curious and they wanted to know me. I have this great experience of having some people, when I used to go to ESL classes and I would take public transportation. So even the bus driver, uh, got used to me and he would wait for me. And there were a few people who would just wait for me in the intersection just to get the glimpse of me and to have a little conversation. So it was nice, you know, uh, I really enjoy and they, they really uh, love to see me in this uh, orange uh, color. And by the way, this is the 
Uh, this color is the symbolic for spirituality, wisdom, insight, knowledge. <laughs> That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. And I was wondering um, what you know, the, the deal is with the specific color. So it's good, definitely good to know that. And that's a good thing that you're able to find these people on the streets that probably have a lot of questions when they see you. Cause typically when I see, um, like monks, you have to go traditionally to a monastery and they have mm -hmm. them down here in California, but you don't, you don't typically see them walking down the street. Mm -hmm. So if I was one of those people, I'd probably do the same. And it's good that you're open to them and you're receptive to those questions because uh, especially right now, I think it's really important to be able to answer those questions, you know? Yeah. 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 It was also nice to receive some, uh, you know, little notes from the from the public and who were kind of shy to talk to me, but they would just give me <laughs> a piece of paper with a little note. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And thank you for smiling. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that That's too. Really great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. So we obviously, we have some questions for you. And uh, we hope that you, uh, of course, have answers and we'll get right into it. And then we'll, we'll touch on these and we'll have uh, more of a conversation about it. And anything that you'd like to share, definitely share your wisdom with us. So we wanted to just first start out by just asking you, what does it mean to be an urban monk and opposed to just the traditional monk? And uh, how is it, how is it different? Okay, uh, uh, Eric, let me just tell you this little story, how I started calling myself or branded myself <laughs> as the urban Buddhist monk, uh, UBM. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some years ago, I was having a, a friendly uh, conversation with one of my students. Uh, we were doing mindful sipping tea and uh, he asked me a question about the uh, monastic tradition. So I told him, uh, his name is uh, Robert. I said, Rob, look, uh, uh, there's a forest uh, uh, tradition. There's a village tradition. So after becoming a monk, you have two options. Either you can adopt uh, the, uh, the forest tradition, which means you don't deal with the society. You don't deal with the people. Uh, you just go to the forest and live your own uh, secluded life, dedicating your time and energy to the practice of meditation. And you don't really care about, worry about what's going on in the society. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the uh, village tradition, uh, they have the option to actually both. They can meditate. At the same time, they live in the village to help people, to study. Um, so uh, I was in the forest tradition, actually, in Sri Lanka uh, for some years. And then I came to the city. And then, of course, after coming here, I'm living in one of the biggest cities in the world, Toronto. And so my friend said, uh, Robert, it's a Bante, <laughs> you're not a forest monk anymore. You're the urban monk. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to give you that name. That's true. Yeah, he, he wanted to. So I, I, I love that brand name, okay? And then he wanted to open a website for me and to get the domain name. <laughs> so he did a, a, a Google to see whether there's an urban monk in the world. 
And guess what? There is an urban monk in the United States. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. But he's a lay person. He's, okay? a, he's a lay person? Lay person, but he goes oh. by that brand name. Like maybe he was uh, a monk in, in, in previously, but maybe later on he gave it up. But he's a lay person. So then I, I told uh, my student Rob, he's Rob, because <laughs> he's an urban monk, but I am the urban Buddhist monk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah. You know? He uh, created a website uh, with that uh, domain name. And so from that time till now, I'm known in the world as the only urban Buddhist monk. Oh. And now I, I call urban Buddhist monk because uh, there's a reason, there are so many reasons. First of all, I have been in the forest tradition. And then I uh, returned to the society, dealing with the people living in the uh, society, in the village. And I'm, I'm dealing with the real people, actually. You know, the struggles, the emotional uh, struggles, uh, the problems, and people are seeking some help. So after coming to this country, to Canada, to our monastery in, in Toronto, and I started teaching a meditation uh, session. Uh, for, uh, actually, this is uh, my 25th year of conducting that weekly meditation session. And uh, so I see people coming from all uh, ages, all backgrounds, all walks of life, and they are coming here seeking some spiritual help. And after listening to their stories, as, uh, as you said, I do a lot of spiritual counseling sessions for the public. And uh, so I, I got to listen to so many stories. And by sharing the simple message, and I was able to bring relief, happiness, joy, and I was able to save so many lives, by the way, especially those who were suicidal, mm-hmm. I was able to uh, save uh, their, uh, their lives. And if you really want to uh, uh, know one story highlighted by Canadian uh, National News, as well as CTV National News, uh, if you search uh, the Buddhist monk who saved a young man's life by CTV National News, that story will show, uh, pop up. So anyway, like that, I was able to just save so many lives here. And not only that, there are people, actually the community people who need your help. And they want a monk to teach meditation, dharma to their kids, the new generation. And there are, there are people who are looking for you, especially those who lost their loved ones. They need some spiritual help. And they, they said, please, you know, come and uh, spend some time with us. Give us some light. So we would perform funeral services. We would, we would give public talks. We would do community programs. We would do educational programs. And in fact, I, I have a Sunday school. I have been running the Sunday school for, again, 25 years. I, I was able to uh, uh, you know, build several generations of kids through this Sunday Dhamma school. And I, I have uh, close to 400 kids coming every Sunday. Wow, <laughs> so that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. I, I love that story. And, I, and it's definitely, it makes sense because I think 
my traditional, I guess, from my experience with studying Buddhism or even just the, the workings of, I guess, more Eastern ascetic sort of like sadhus of like the Hindu culture is that they typically go into the mountains. They, you know, uh, renounce a lot of things in their life. And I feel like yeah. based off of kind of where the world is at right now, if anybody's in that sort of healing community or sharing any type of wisdom, I think the best place to share that is in really large, densely populated areas, mm -hmm. you know, where there's lots of, there's lots of life happening. There are a lot of different types of personalities and different types of dynamics of people. And it makes sense that you would find your way into the public sphere as far as uh, the more urban communities, because I mean, we live in urban communities right. and there's a lot more activity here in terms of, you know, disparity and income mm -hmm. inequality and socioeconomic, you know, status and things like that. So I am grateful that you're able to share your practice um, with a lot of those people, maybe that aren't even familiar with Buddhism, you know, cause there yeah. still is a lot of mystery behind um, I imagine what, um, what, what it means to be a Buddhist. And I feel like now it's definitely more, more open. I'm seeing a lot, a lot more people following the sort of Buddhist path, the middle way, and they need people like yourself to come in and offer that type of, offer that type of healing. So, right. Yeah. And speaking of some of the mysteries surrounding Buddhism, could you tell us a little bit about the 10 precepts of being, being a monk? So our listeners know what kind of like your day to day life is like. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's not just the 10 precepts. Okay, let mm -hmm. me tell you, I think um, <laughs> there are different levels uh, of practices of precepts, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, there are five precepts. <laughs> there are eight precepts. There are 10 precepts. And then <laughs> 227 precepts <laughs> uh, for the monks. Mm -hmm. And then there are 311 precepts for the nuns. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's a lot of precepts. Yeah, that's a lot of precepts. And you got to memorize all those, huh? <laughs> well, I think maybe it's uh, in English, we call the precept. But in, in, in Buddhist tradition, we call them Sikha Pada. Sikha means training. Mm -hmm. uh, pada means the principle. The, so these are the training principles. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the generally, every Buddhist have to follow five training principles. And then, uh, what are the, oh, okay, what are these five training principles? Refraining from taking life, refraining from uh, stealing, refraining from sexual misconduct, refraining from lying, refraining from are refraining from consuming alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are the uh, what we call the precepts uh, that every Buddhist have, uh, has to follow. So, what does it mean? Those are the negative actions. Okay, mm -hmm. negative actions like taking life, stealing, sexual misconduct, that's abuse in the relationship, uh, telling lies doing alcohol and drugs. And these are negative actions that cause the problems in every life. It doesn't really matter though you're Buddhist or not. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect so sense. Yeah. We are human beings, okay? We are just human beings. Uh, though you live in, in California, though I live in Ontario, though others live in Asia, Europe and Africa, we are human beings. It's 
Their affiliations, cultural backgrounds, political backgrounds don't really matter. Mm-hmm. But as human beings, as typical human beings, every person has the tendency of doing these wrong things. Right? Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. So all the problems are coming into being in our personal life, in the family life, in the social life, in global level, because of doing these negative actions. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, are, we are hurting people, we are taking life, we are killing, the shooting going on, uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, cheating, you know, the stealing, and cheating is going on relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a result of that, the, the family life is uh, getting disintegrated, right. <laughs> and the people are lying uh, to one another, and the people are doing drugs. And uh, so these are the real problems of the society. It, they, they were, these were the problems uh, of the society then, mm-hmm. in the 6th century, even today, in the 21st century, though we have the advanced technology, <laughs> we are still we, we, uh, having the same tendency to uh, do these negative things. Mm. So uh, then if you really want to, of course, as human beings, we also have another tendency. We want to be happy, <laughs> okay? We want to live a happy and peaceful life, healthy life. Then we need to understand unhealthy actions, negative actions make us unhealthy. Healthy actions, healthy deeds make us healthy people. Okay? So we the, so need to train. As you refrain, as you refrain from the negative actions, then you need to train yourself to do the opposite of these negative actions. So the uh, opposite of taking life is giving life, giving freedom, respecting life. Opposite of stealing is giving, practicing generosity, sharing. Opposite of uh, sexual misconduct is respecting the relationship, being contented with what you, whoever you are with. Opposite of lying is the speaking the truth. And opposite of alcohol is orange juice, apple juice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like apple juice. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. No, I mean, no, the thing is, you know, all this alcohol and drugs, they make us um, drunk, right? Mm -hmm. When we are drunk, we are unconscious. Then we don't know what's going on, what's happening. So the, uh, that's unconsciousness. So the opposite of uh, alcohol drugs is the consciousness, so mindfulness. So now to do these good things, you need to train your, yourself, your mind especially, your brain. Now, uh, you know, uh, as, as, uh, as, as a monk of the 21st century, and uh, I really love the psychology and neuroscience. You know, neuroscience is such a wonderful discipline, wonderful science that explains uh, the true structure of our brain plasticity. You know, we have two types of brains. Like if you think we have one brain, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But within this one brain, we have two. (laughs) Today, the neuroscientists call them the Velcro brain and the Teflon brain. Oh, interesting. So So Velcro... It's a, it's a chemistry word. Velcro means, uh, you know, so maybe in you, uh, Eric, your shoes uh, have 
Velcro. Like Velcro means in chemistry, sticking. Sticking. Right, yeah. I've had yeah. Velcro shoes before. Yeah. I think we all did when we were three. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Teflon means non-sticking, right? Uh, so the whole purpose of the Velcro brain is to make us or make you miserable. So the Velcro brain knows how to exactly make you a miserable person. Now, how does it make you miserable? Well, it knows that there are certain actions prohibited to do. If you, if, if you, it's like, you know, uh, um, like when you go back to Bible story, you know, the even Adam story, uh, uh, they ate the forbidden uh, fruit from the forbidden tree, right? And then what happened? And after that, they became sinners, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? So, so in our society, we all know that uh, uh, taking life, right, killing is forbidden, right? It's not good, and stealing is is is, is forbidden. Uh, it's not good. Uh, sexual misconduct, cheating, <laughs> is forbidden. Lying is forbidden. Uh, doing alcohol, you know, and doing drugs. This is a, this a forbidden thing uh, in, in the societies. So now uh, the Velcro brain knows that uh, it makes you do what is forbidden to do. Now, when you do what is forbidden to do, then you're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're big yeah. trouble. Yeah. So then, when you when you when you get into this big trouble, guess what? Your Velcro brain starts dancing within, singing a cool song. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You are miserable now. Yeah, that's what I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you yeah. say that that is the same as sort of Mara tempting the Buddha? Yeah, you got it. I was yeah. going to tell you. <laughs> Right. And, that's, to the and I think that's the ultimate sort of um, a challenge that I think most of us, especially in our communities here, are at odds with, which are a lot of, I imagine, the workings of the ego. Right. So it's like this over identification with um, substance, with sex, with things that um, largely go unnoticed by uh, uh, as unconscious behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, so what would you say is the consequence? Because. And I know that when you talk about the precepts, I mean, not to do drugs, not to drink. I mean, we can strive for that. But I notice from my experience, even as a human being, we tend to kind of teeter totter mm-hmm. back and forth. And yeah. so what would you say is the, the consequence to engaging? I mean, obviously, you should never take a life. But I mean, in terms of like the more, I guess, uh, trivial things like um, like alcohol, alcohol right. or something that people consume on a daily basis. Um, what would you say is the consequence of these things in terms of like karma, maybe? Well, this is the thing. Um, when you do something uh, unconsciously, right? And, and, uh, and of course, maybe you, you know, you're conscious. You know that alcohol is kind of <laughs> bad. You know that. It's, it's bad for your health, too. And then you need to uh, make some extra money. <laughs> <laughs> to to line up <laughs> at the at the LCBO, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, so uh, what you have to do is that, of course, we have the tendency to do all this. 
Now, it's, it's a matter of choice that you have to make. Let's see, just because you did uh, these bad things, it doesn't mean you're a bad, bad, bad person. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but what we are, we are practicing dharma, we are practicing this spiritual path to reduce the, the bad nature, the level of bad that we have in, within ourselves, and eventually to completely uh, get rid of it. And uh, so you know that there's a, a universal law that is called the karma, right? Whatever you do, of course you have the choice to do anything, but at the end you are responsible for your own karma. Right. And we actually talked about this last week about in the in the U.S. I feel like specifically people have like a, a negative connotation toward karma. Like, oh, you know, watch out. Don't do that. Karma is going to get you. It's coming for you. So what do you think about that? Well, that is, you know, uh, every action has a reaction, right? Right. That, that's very scientific. If you if you do uh, something uh, bad and there will be bad consequences. If you do something good, there will be good results, right? Yeah. And, right. and nobody, can, nobody can deny this. Now for the typical example, we know that, uh, say the murder, murdering someone, it, we, we all know it's bad. You can, you can shoot, but do you think after shooting, you can like live a life freely in the society? But uh, let, me, let me tell you, tell, let me tell you a story, okay? Let me tell you this story. I think this is a very interesting story. This is a Jataka story. We call Jataka story. Uh, there was a, a rich family. They had only one uh, child. And so the, this rich family uh, wanted their child to get the best education from the best education center at the time. So it's very expensive, like, you know, how, how it is so costly going to Harvard or Yale. <laughs> so in the same way, so it, but the rich parents could afford to send their child to this institution. So they uh, send the child to that uh, best education center. So now there were many children, many students, so there was this teacher who gave them an assignment one day to test their intelligence, maybe to, to test their IQ, okay? Uh, so what was the assignment? He said, hey students, I want all of you to do these assignments for me. They said, so what's the assignment? I want all of you to go and steal something from somewhere and bring that for me as a gift. And then all the students said, yeah, we can do it. It's easy, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> we can do it. But then the uh, teacher said, but I want you to steal that in such a way that nobody can see it. <laughs> But if somebody sees that, you cannot bring that as a gift for me. <laughs> then all the students said, yeah, we can do it. I know, uh, 
we 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 are smart we are intelligent we can do it so then everybody went into different directions and of course they were very smart they stole something from a house from all directions and they all brought that for the teacher as a gift but one student did not do that and now all all the students gathered in the in the classroom so the teacher said hey so did you do the assignment they said yes we did we did that said, see i i brought this for you i stole this particular item from that house nobody has seen it and everybody gave the all the stolen items to the teacher except that child from the rich family and everybody started picking on him they made fun of him look what a bad ass you know <laughs> right you 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 you're not smart you could not do this simple thing yeah and then that uh, child remained very calm and patient so the teacher asked him said how come you didn't do this assignment for me look everybody did that for me how come you were so disobedient to me and then that child spoke up the sir <laughs> it's not that i cannot do i can but you put you put a condition that we have to steal something in such a way that nobody can see it then that child argued he said sir it is impossible to do now everybody is what look we did it nobody saw it really although people did not see what you stole but there is someone that saw what you were doing that is your conscience yes. yeah 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 i love yeah. that yeah that's a great story yeah then the, then the teacher said look i gave this assignment to all of you to test your iq how smart how intelligent you are all of you fail except this one child one student is the most yeah. is the smartest guy yeah so i like to i like to think that like the the spirit like intrinsically knows what is loving and also what's kind of separate from that and i think that's where the conscious kind of comes in to play is like i know that when i do something bad there's a this sort of deeper knowing inside of me that feels that guilt or that shame mm -hmm. for doing it right and um i wanted to actually ask you about um karma just like jen was talking about when i read up about a lot of these um sort of traditional buddhist teachings a lot of um or some of the 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 dialogue that i hear is about well how to resolve karma how to not take on any more karma in this life is that the ultimate goal of trying to avoid you know uh, a reoccurring sort of bout of reincarnation is the point to sort of you know sit in a room not moving not taking on more karma not taking on more action no that is a misconception and of course uh, we we all have to uh, live in the society we are we are living beings we do things now uh, we have a greater goal right as like in, in, in buddhism let's say nirvana um in judeo christian uh, uh religious tradition is a kingdom of god <laughs> right mm -hmm. so now to go to nirvana to go to kingdom of god what do you think 
Can you, you think- can you help us? Uh, can you define just for our listeners? Um, because we have people that listen from all different types of lineages of spirituality. Can you define from your perspective what nirvana means? Nirvana is the uh, freedom from suffering. That is the enlightenment. That's the release from the cycle of life. Okay? And uh, let's say this, we call samsara. Samsara, the cycle of life, it goes on and on, on and on. And that's lifetimes, so, right? Yeah. Like yeah. incarnations. Yeah. Incarnation, rebirth. So nirvana is the uh, release, complete release from the cycle of life. Now, when we talk about the release, uh, cycle of life, the entire cycle, uh, cycle of life is uh, based on uh, suffering, the problems, right? So nirvana means you become free from the human suffering. You become enlightened, awakened. You become the happiest. Your happiness is not based on particular thing. So to, that is the ultimate goal, to, to realize nirvana. Until we realize nirvana, we have to get going in the cycle of life. So. As, human, as typical human beings, if you ask a question from everyone, where do you want to go after your death? Everybody will say, I want to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to go to the yeah. kingdom of God. Hey. Hey, I, I want to go. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I want to go. I'm in. <laughs> is, there is there anyone who wants to go to hell? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Why people know that hell is nothing else but pain, the suffering, the problems, misery, right? Right. It's painful. It's painful. So uh, who who go to, like the who go to the hell, who decides? Um, It's not that someone is pushing you to go there. It's not that someone is selecting you to go to send you to the hell, but it is the natural actions that we are doing. You know, the one thing you need to understand, you know, there are four things. I I think I I really, there's a long story. I I, I don't think we have time to talk about this long story, but in this is, uh, there's a particular discourse of the Buddha uh, and in that discourse, he talks about four things. Um, I can make them very simple for your audience. Uh, behavior, habit, attitude, mentality, four things. Okay? So now, <clears throat> if the behavior is negative, if the behavior, if the habit is negative, if the attitude is negative, if the mentality is negative, what do you think the end result? I imagine it's mm-hmm. going to be some form of emotional hell that yeah. we create for ourselves, right? <laughs> Everything will be negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost right. like we, we choose we choose our own version of that hell, right? That pain yeah. that we yeah. put ourselves through. Exactly, it's from our our actions. Like you know, that's why uh, that's why you need to understand that that is the very reason why in in Buddhist tradition they say 
if you really, really love yourself, care for yourself, uh, train yourself to do good. First, refrain from all the negative things and then train yourself to do good. So that is, hell is, now I am trying to make it simple for you, okay? Hell is nothing else but the a, a creation of the Velcro brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your right. Velcro brain wants you to suffer. Right, right. Your Velcro brain wants you to live in, in misery. And that would be like the Mara constantly tempting us to do bad things. Eric and Jen, uh, behind every negative action, there's something else. Now, why are we doing? Why are we doing these negative things? There's a reason for that. Now, uh, I, when a lot of high school students come to see me for my sessions, I actually have a lot of fun with them by asking these questions, talking about this. Let's say you want to uh, hurt someone. Uh, you want to uh, take a life or shoot or kill. Why do you want to do that? Behind this act of killing, there is something deeper that you're not aware of. Why do you want to kill someone? Do you have any, any clue? I imagine... Um, Revenge or power? Or somebody's, they, there's something inside of them that's hurting ah. from something. Okay, from something. It's hurting. Hurting. This hurting is creating what? Negativity. Uh, yeah, negativity, fear. Uh, ah, yeah. Okay. There's a particular emotion, okay? There's a particular emotion involved in it, okay? Behind this act of killing, there's a particular emotion involved in it. Maybe fear, maybe hatred, maybe anger, maybe jealousy. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, this, this negative action uh, is based on this negative emotion, negative thought. And then you lose the control over this emotion. In this, you know, uh, there's, there's a constant fight going on between two things. One is the, um, we can say, the intelligence, okay? Intelligence and the, and the emotion or the drive. So in this fight between the emotion and the intelligence, <clears throat> normally who wins? It's always the emotion, right? So we easily give in to the emotion. And when emotion wins, at the end, it makes us very guilty. When we get into trouble, it's like, you know, I have, I have spoken to many people who, uh, who have spent their time in the jail. And they all, the one thing they said, I wish I could not have done it. I wish I could not have said that. Because all emotions are blind. They, they make you blind. You don't see. And also in, in typical Buddhist tradition, Buddha said that uh, we have dusty eyes. When we see the dusty eyes, our eyes are full of dust. <laughs> With the dusty eyes, nothing is visible. You can't see anything. Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense. And that's kind of 
the state of the United States right now, you know, um, surrounding politics and the election, everyone has dusty eyes. The emotions are so high. It's so hard to see the other side. Yeah. And, And to kind of speaking to what you're saying about the difference between like intelligence and emotion, um, I guess maybe another way of saying that would be like your mind and your heart or your mind and your spirit. Cause I think of like those things that you're talking about, the doing the bad things is almost like the product of the primitive brain taking over the spirit. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when we're not operating from what you're saying, like awareness, then we fall victim to a lot of the, 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 the emotional sensations in the body that cause us to kind of go down those paths. Yeah, that, that is, that's why uh, we, we are talking about this, the, the Teflon brain. Teflon brain is, or Teflon mind, is responsible for your happiness, your joy, all the good things. Okay? So now, in this practice, what are we doing? We are learning to do, uh, in, this, is, this is in line with the modern psychology, okay? This is called what we call the shifting attention. Now, of course, now a political shift is taking place. <laughs> it, just, it just took place today, <laughs> right? So in the same way, in a personal level, we need to do this uh, uh, shift, a shift of attention from uh, Velcro to Teflon. So when you, of course, maybe, we were doing the negative things because we thought uh, maybe we were, we were uh, told to do so. Maybe we were brainwashed to do so, right? Or maybe we just felt like, oh yeah, it's good. It's my life, it's my, my, it's my life. I can do what I want to. So and then we easily give in to these things. But then if you, uh, so at our emotional brain Actually, Velcro brain is at the, uh, at the moment is very powerful. So we are practicing dharma, this part, to learn, to feed, to feed the Teflon brain, Teflon mind. And so doing, as Buddha said, doing good is the hardest thing to do. And doing bad is, is a piece of cake for everyone. <laughs> Right. To do bad things, do you do you have to send the kids to school or to church or temple? <laughs> you don't need to send the kids to the church or temple or school to uh, learn how to do bad things. They are going to do them anyways. <laughs> That's right. a typical nature. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so then we do these things. We need the dharma. We need the meditation. We need the temple, church to learn the good things. Yeah? So when we do the good things, then in personal level, we feel good. We, we feel very happy and very peaceful. And then when you become a good person, then of course, you're loved, you're mm-hmm. cared for. Everybody loves you, right? And then you feel good about that. You feel, you feel happy, you feel peaceful. And this is the very reason why I started a new movement some years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you tell us more about that movement? Uh, 
I call I started it it from Canada. Yeah. And I officially call Canada a mindful and kind nation. <clears throat> so my global movement is now actually with the uh, president elect, new president elect, I think we can hope for that. I, I would like to see one day United States of America being called a mindful and kind nation. And, and so this is my global mission. I go to different countries and do this program. Now this principle is based on, uh, this movement is based on one principle that is called the kindfulness. Okay. The word, that's cool. <laughs> it's like you're combining the two. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Kindfulness. Kindfulness comes from two words, kindness and mindfulness. mindfulness. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, you need to, for, it, it, it can be meant two things actually. First of kindfulness, be full with kindness. It's called kindfulness. <laughs> you make yourself full with kindness. Okay. And then, and the second thing is, you know, mindfulness, people talk about mindfulness, but what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is about uh, remembering all the time, to remember, always remember. Remember what? Always remember to be kind to yourself, always remember to be kind to others. Be mindful to be kind to yourself, be mindful to be kind to others. Now, imagine, Eric Chen, let's say, I, I become, let's say, I'm a kindful monk. <laughs> okay, people know me as the kindful monk, okay? Now, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm being kind to myself. At the same time, I'm being kind to everyone around me, <laughs> visible, invisible, near or far. I'm being kind to everyone. Now imagine, Eric, you also do the same. Now, Jen, imagine you also do the same. Now we have what? Three, we're kindful global citizens. <laughs> now, let's say, Eric, you're going to maybe one day you're choosing to have, have someone in your life. So as a kindful man, you're attracting a kindful woman. Oh yeah, oh. bring that on. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for that. <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> right? And yeah. then, then you, it is, you will be called a kindful couple. Oh yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, and Jen, let's say Jen is very kindful and everything. And Jen is uh, attracting a kindful man. Oh. Now again, couple. And from you, there will be a kindful family. <laughs> If you again choosing to expand your family, there will be a kindful family. Then you will have kindful children. So it almost seems right? like this thing that is constantly building and expanding and growing, right? Exactly. And then you're going to be surrounded with the kindful friends. You know, you know what? This is this is something like this. Follow the nature, okay? Follow the nature. Uh, you know, the bee bees. Bees normally uh, go to a particular flower. If the flower, no matter where it is, all the way this far away, it, it, this flower may not be beautiful, but that flower is full of nectar. 
When a flower becomes full of nectar, all the bees will... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It. So it's the law of attraction, just attracting more good things in your life as you put out good things out of your heart. Yeah. So, so in the same way, imagine you, your heart is full of nectar of kindfulness. <laughs> Everybody will love you. Now you have given up all the negativity. Now you have chosen the positivity. So not by nature, people don't like to hang around with the negative people. Of course, there are some people, same-minded people, but at the end, they, they regret for it, right? So now imagine you become violent, you become aggressive. People are going to go away from you. It's not just you. Even the animals run away from you. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, so speaking uh, of your mindfulness work, I mean, you did some work with the Canadian police. Do you want to share yeah. a little bit of information about that? That is, that is an amazing thing that I was able to do. That's how, actually, that program with Canadian police brought me uh, fame, you know, in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how people got to know me. So um, it, this is what happened. Like uh, uh, one day, two police officers came to see me. And uh, originally, they wanted to build a community relationship with us. And uh, so uh, we were having some quality time, enjoying some tea. And uh, so they said, Bhante, you don't have to tell us anything about you. We know who you are. We know what you're doing. <laughs> We are here to build a community relationship with your temple, with your community. But at the same time, we are here to invite you to see whether you, you would be willing to teach us meditation and Buddhist principles. Uh, then I said, wow, that's a great idea. Why not? I would be happy to do that. So I thought maybe uh, you know, seven, eight, ten officers would come here to uh, do meditation with me, maybe not in uniform. So we set up a day and guess what? On that, on that day, uh, our, our center is actually located by a busy road and a police bus stopped in front of the temple. And then all the officers started, uh, getting off the police bus and they line up uh, coming to our temple uh, along the corridor and people <laughs> around our temple started looking at us. What's going on? How come that many police officers, maybe a biggest, best known <laughs> and notorious criminal is hiding inside this temple? <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't expect that many people. Yeah. So... <clears throat> They came here, about 47 police officers. And uh, so they all came in uniform with their guns and everything. So we, I gave an introduction to Buddhist principles and meditation. We also practice meditation. So I took some pictures and posted them in the Facebook. My goodness, within one hour, these pictures started exploding in the social media. Everybody started sharing. This is something that they have never seen, uh, like police officers practicing meditation uh, with the Buddhist monk at the Buddhist temple. And the pictures turn out to be amazing, very powerful. 
And then following day, media started contacting us. And the neighborhood started waking up. My goodness, those police officers came to that temple not to catch the, <laughs> the notorious criminal, but to meditate with the Buddhist monk. Mm-hmm. Right. Did that whole thing happen as a result of, um, I guess, the, the injustices that kind of happen around the George Floyd situation? Did this whole thing happen around that time or is this um, something that you've kind of been building on for a while? Yeah, no, actually, it, this was also, this happened uh, during, you know, there was a police brutality going on in Chicago, Dallas, uh, uh, in some other cities. And, and then people realized, wow, wow, look, Canadian police are good. <laughs> they are practicing meditation. They are starting their job by practicing meditation. And they, they said, the, you know, all American police officers also should be doing the same thing. So uh, I was invited by so many uh, police headquarters, police departments, including United States. Um, even I was going to go to uh, uh, LA uh, police department, uh, but at the end they canceled it. I don't know what happened. Uh, so I didn't go there. So anyways, and so that, uh, through that program, I was able to bring a positive message to the world because every country is uh, realized that this meditation is good for everybody, especially, the, especially for the police officers. And uh, so then I thought, uh-huh, I was able to bring a positive thing in the world. Now, I should bring another positive thing to the entire world. So then I thought, okay, now is the time to call every country a mindful and kind nation. So uh, even CNN also started talking about my meditation program with Canadian police. And, I, and, and, and then still actually the program is going on. Uh, it's not happening more often, uh, but any police department in the United States is interested in this meditation program. I wouldn't mind going there and helping them, you know, teaching them. I think meditation is good for them because one thing, you know, Eric and John, we need to understand we also need police force in the society right. to make the law and order, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, not there with a bad intention. Maybe there are, you know, some officers, you know, uh, they have big head, you know, they are drunk with power. Right? And uh, so they, maybe they, they are misusing their power. But police officers are there to help us to make, to protect the community, to protect the citizens of, the, of a country. But at the same time, we need to understand they are going through so much. Uh, they, are going, they are suffering from um, PTSD, right? They are suffering from anxieties, depression, uh, emotional troubles. And uh, so I think what happens with them is that they, they have to, they can't show the uh, weakness, okay? Although they, they don't like what they're doing, they cannot talk about it. That is kind of, so, kind of social uh, stigma for them. Like if you talk about your stress, uh, they think you're, you're not fit for the job. So they think, I'm not here to get the help. 
I'm here to help you. But guess what? Although they are in that uniform, they are human beings. Mm-hmm. They are seeing every day someone is dying or they are seeing shooting. They are subject to violence. They are subject to all kinds of negativity. <laughs> and they are chasing someone, the criminals, to catch them. And so they are ignoring their stress, their anxiety, their depression. And uh, so there comes a moment, again, those are anxieties, stress, fear, anger, hatred, these, these negative emotions blinding their eyes. So they become blind and they, they don't know. They, they, they can't actually uh, uh, identify who is the bad, bad guy, who is the good guy. And so, but I, I strongly believe <clears throat> if we can give the meditation training to the uh, police officers and we can reduce a lot of violence, we can teach them not to react to the situation, but to respond, right? Yeah, and that's a great, that's a not to react, but to respond. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a great way to say it. And I love that you do that for Canada. Have you met any sort of um, resistance? I imagine there's a lot of maybe red tape that you have to go through in order to sort of get the police departments to start utilizing this sort of practice. Has it been pretty fluid as far as um, getting your work into the U.S.? Uh, well, this is the thing. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> they they need they need this, but at the same time, they also have a reluctance to this uh, new discipline. Uh, I think that's, uh, I understand why though, because I'm a Buddhist monk, but I always tell people I'm a Buddhist monk, but I'm not here to convert anyone. My job is not to convert anyone. You, you be whoever you are, but I'm here to help you, help you to become emotionally, psychologically strong and healthy. And I, I strongly believe, uh, kindfulness, kindness, compassion, uh, and meditation, mindfulness, all these are posi- positive qualities. Let's say, Eric and Jen, you know, let's say uh, you are in, in California, I'm here in Toronto. Uh, I'm a Buddhist monk, you're, you're lay people. But we are human beings, we are breathing even at this moment, right? Do we call this breath a Christian breath, a Buddhist breath? <laughs> or American breath or Canadian breath. <laughs> no, no, we definitely yeah. don't. But I, I, I definitely know a lot of people that do. Yeah. yeah. You know? but the breath is the life force. It's the life-saving mechanism. It's an art. It's an energy. We all need this. So we are teaching people this art of breathing. This art of breathing with kindfulness. Anyone can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they will benefit from this. So uh, even modern, modern science and psychology, neuroscience have done a lot of uh, research into this. Mm-hmm. And they have proven that meditation is good for everyone. Now, now let me tell you this. Um, uh, you know, this... Uh, uh, this mindfulness, the quality is the quality of the mind, right? Now, when you do something mindfully 
and you benefit from it. And it, 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 it makes you see the things as they really are. Now, let's say uh, we all have these negative emotions, negative tendencies. The moment you become mindful of anger, let's say anger, we all have, have this major issue. We all get uh, upset, angry. Now, the moment you become mindful of anger, this being mindful of anger cannot let anger grow. It will stop right there. <laughs> will that be the same? Is that the same as awareness, like mindfulness and awareness basically being yeah. the same force, right? Yeah. And, and so that, then once you uh, become aware of that, mindful of that, then it just stops growing. Then you're like you're not letting the um, emotion win over the intelligence. Okay? Then you just let the intelligence uh, grow. And when your intelligence is stronger than the emotion, then you, you, you know what you're doing. And, and then uh, you're not going to react. You're just going to respond. Okay, then instead of yelling and screaming, shooting, they say, hey, Eric, let's talk. So what's the problem? You know, let's try to help one another. You help me, I help you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, like a de-escalation. Yeah, yeah, like a de-escalation. What are your thoughts? I mean, we, and I completely agree with you um, as far as I respect all lineages of spirituality. Um, absolutely love the teachings of the Buddha, also the teachings of Jesus. And so um, we ascribe to a lot of different types of teachings. But one thing that comes up a lot, especially now, is this idea of a global spiritual sort of awakening that's happening on our planet right now. And a lot of people in the New Age community um, ascribe to that. And I want to know... Um, what you think of that? Is this something that is coming from uh, maybe an egoic perspective or is this something that's just been going on in that sort of cyclical way that earth and maybe that karma wheel goes? This is the thing. <clears throat> I, I think, you know, uh, even here, I have so many young people uh, and so many people coming to talk, uh, talk to me about what I'm doing and they... Uh, what they're saying is that this is what we all need. I say every year I organize an annual event. I call it Kindful Canada Symposium. It's a conference. So in this uh, day-long conference, I have speakers from uh, various disciplines, various fields, like scientists, neuroscientists, psychologists, doctors, uh, First Nation elders, and then we organize group meditation, uh, group Tai Chi practice, group Qigong practice. And when those who come here, one thing becomes very clear from their feedback. This is what we all need. Now, who are, who are, who are the people in this audience? These are not Buddhists. <laughs> These are not Buddhist monks. These are the uh, professional people, young people, 
uh, who are coming here from different fields, different cultural, religious, racial backgrounds. And then they are beginning to see the essence of kindness. Kindness has to be the power. Even, even today I was talking about, you know, <laughs> this uh, kind of power. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are becoming interested in the political power, economy power, global power, <laughs> but we need to understand that these, these powers are going to change. They are not impermanent. If you really want to create a peaceful, happy, healthy um, uh, life, society, nation, world, guess what? We need to have cultivate and develop five powers within. Power of faith, power of energy, power of mindfulness, power of concentration, power of wisdom. If we can equip ourselves with these five powers, we can not only make ourselves strong and healthy and happy, peaceful, harmonious, but I strongly believe we can have a global stability with peace, light, wisdom, happiness, joy. And everybody has these powers. You know, have faith in yourself, have faith in kindness, compassion. This is what we are lacking. <clears throat> I think people are, especially the new generation, uh, are getting fed up with what's going on in the world. You know, the, all this violence, political, social unrest, and stabbing, killing, war, right? And the people are becoming uh, very partial. Uh, people are becoming biased. People are uh, starting to hating one another. They're saying, you, you, you don't belong here and people make negative remarks, people disrespect others. And, and young, this new generation is becoming actually sick with those negative reactions in the world. Right. And I, I feel like the young generation, the younger generation depression is much more prevalent. And um, I, I read a little piece that, um, about you and your thoughts on depression and a tincture that you developed to help with depression and, um, and kind of coping with depression without medication. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, this is the thing. Um, well, I, I said, I, I make a, a very interesting uh, remark for the world. Uh, when you become sick, let's say uh, physically, hmm? you need uh, medication hmm, to recover. But the clinics, doctors don't have any medication for your mental sickness. For the mental sickness, the only medication is the meditation. <laughs> it's the meditation that can heal your mind. Now, how can we do this? Now I think uh, uh, I, I already told you like this um, uh, two years ago uh, on Mental Health Awareness Month in January in, in Canada, 
I think it's also the same in the United States. Um, so they, they highlight a, a, a successful story, someone who has been through depression or suicidal and how uh, that person recovers from it. So if that person is like a hero. So one of my students uh, called Ryan Joshua, this guy actually was very suicidal. He was uh, suffering from deep depression and he was seeing this doctor, psychologist, uh, who, who is also one of my students of meditation class. And the day this guy went to that clinic, he was very suicidal and medication, uh, whatever medication the, the doctor gave, it didn't work. And uh, so the doctor said, look, before you make any final decision, would you like to go and see this Buddhist monk? I, and uh, I think he can help you. So this uh, young man uh, was very happy to hear that. He said, can you give me the address? I would like to go and see him now. So this guy came here to our temple and uh, he was shaking. Uh, when he uh, rang the doorbell, uh, one of our monks uh, you know, went to, the, uh, and, uh, the, uh, to receive him and he was shaking. He, he had a lot of cuts on his hands. So uh, uh, this monk came to my room. He said, there's uh, this kind of person looking for you, but uh, it seems that guy is not looking good. There are a lot of cuts on his hands. He's shaking and he's looking for you. So I, I was doing some work. So I came uh, to talk to him. And of course he was shaking. He said, I'm, uh, I came here to talk to you. So I received him with a lot of compassion and love and kindness. Okay, let's go. Everything will be fine. Let's sit down and talk. So we sit down. So I, so I listened to his story. And after listening to his story, and uh, so I, I, I kind of, of course, increased my compassion, my caring for him, because I strongly believe in this uh, uh, energy, you know, the healing energy that we all have. And then I was just radiating that uh, compassion, kindness, love to that person. And then I, I said, everything will be fine. Just relax, just breathe and relax. Everything will be fine. So I kind of uh, made him see, get the glimpse of light, the hope. He became hopeless. And he said, there's no point of living. So I, I said, no, wait a minute. There's a hope for you, there, you know, uh, so I said, do you see, do you get this glimpse of hope, the faith? And I believe you can reclaim your life. You can have what you uh, fail to, it's not that you fail. I said, you just learned a lesson, but there are many other options. Now I, I kind of said something like, uh, uh, you know, in, in Asia, there's a particular saying, now when a, when a young, man uh, goes through all the problems because of a uh, uh, relationship <laughs> with a girl, mm. you don't have to, you know, <laughs> take your life for that. And then I, I kind of joked with him. I said, my friend, look, there is not just only one fish in the ocean. 
It's true. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Lots of fish out there. <laughs> Lots of fish out there, so colorful. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is true. All different kinds of fish. So when I said that, that was a kind of shocking <laughs> point for him. And he was a, he just woke up. <laughs> And then, of course, I explained, and then, you know, I invited him for uh, some tea. Uh, and I think this is also something that he never received, the warm welcome, kindness. And I made tea for him, and we enjoyed some cookies or the tea, and we spent another hour. And that's it. That was the game changer for experience for him. So the thing is, you know, uh, like that. There, so there are so, like, you know, when, when people get into depression, people get into depression uh, for, for reason. They ignore. Let's say when you uh, get stressed out, when you feel anxious, uh, when something bothers you, actually, uh, you need to talk to someone. You need to take some uh, steps to recover from it. You can't just ignore. If you, if you ignore, these things, they are going to snowball. And there will come a day you can't handle it anymore. Then you're going to experience this, uh, you're going to get this uh, volcanic eruption experience. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and now that you're talking about that, I mean, wanted to segue into just obviously quarantine is happening for a lot of people, right? Yeah. And so I imagine a lot of the emotions that you're talking about are happening right now for a lot of people. Um, how would you, what, what advice could you give for our community or just people in general of how to navigate through these sort of hard times in quarantine? Cause there's a lot of people at home spending a lot of time with themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, well, always see the positive side of bright side of your life. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Even, even listen, this pandemic, uh, before pandemic, uh, our life was so crazy, right? It, it was a crazy world. People were just you know, chasing so many things, going after one another, ignoring the fundamental values. They, they failed to spend time with the family, with the, with the kids, with their loved ones, with their relatives, their, with their friends. People are just going crazy, 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 crazy with all this <laughs> technology, money, you know, fame, this and that. But now people feel kind of lonely because they don't have it, right? But wait a minute. You need to understand what is the most important thing at the moment. Look, you, can, uh, you need to appreciate for a fact that this COVID-19 actually saved the world <laughs> mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, we'd agree. We have fresh air, we have enough time. You know, even those day people, no, I don't have time. You know, I have this meeting, that meeting, I have this conference, that conference, I have this event, that event. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like nature's way of slowing us down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now uh, we have fresh air, you know, we have fresh air. And uh, so I said, look, at least, look, there are, there are so many people in the world who don't have uh, the, uh, the privileges we do. Let's say at least in the United States, government actually gave you uh, a helping hand, you know, monetary help. 
even in Canada, the Canadian government did the same thing. Still, actually, we are so lucky in Canada. Those who have no job, they, they are eligible for government fund, <laughs> right? So, and then now we have, even for me, actually, I'm, I'm greatly appreciating this for myself. Before pandemic, actually, my life was also kind of crazy because there are so many spiritual demands, like, you know, spiritual needs and people was, and one thing that when people ask for some help, you know, then I, I don't feel like saying no, because I want to help. I want to uh, give my kindness, my compassion. And, uh, but it was too much. Now, look, I don't, I don't have to worry about doing the public speaking. I have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Now I say yes to you because now I have time. <laughs> Probably if you were to ask me this uh, interview <laughs> without COVID-19, I would say, Eric, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have yeah. a lot of, I mean, we saw some of your photos on your Instagram. You were doing a lot of different events, a lot of different things. It was really inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why now, now we have uh, time to talk to so many people and we are doing, actually, we, uh, we are doing a lot of things online too, virtually. Or if people might if people can come to of course our center is still remaining closed for the public, but every day we are visiting their home through the technology, through the social media, uh, through uh, the virtual programs. All you have to do is just turn on your <laughs> your phone or or your laptop or desktop. You can see us. You, you can still be part of our program. So during pandemic time, do you know what I did? People were going crazy. So I, I started doing uh, a daily mindfulness meditation program for the public. I was doing like a, uh, three programs every day for three months from March till first week of June. Uh, from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m mindfulness meditation program for the adults, for FYN1 online. And then from 6.30 to 7 uh, p.m., uh, half an hour mindfulness meditation program for the kids. And then from 8 to 9 p.m. is a blessings and protection chanting for the humanity. In addition to this, I uh, opened up, the, I started this new program I call uh, uh, counseling session, one-on-one -on -one session uh, through the Zoom. So I would see at least uh, uh, two or three people. And uh, so when uh, this uh, high time was over and people started kind of relaxing, then in the summer, from first week of June till uh, second week of October, I was running an outdoor meditation program. Uh, our center has a, a nice, a small, uh, beautiful park. And a lot of people would show up. And there also, I started another new program uh, it, that is uh, especially for the uh, first responder community. You know, um, uh, I call it mindful conversation under the tree with the urban Buddhist monk. So I have been seeing 
at least three to four people every day. It could be a doctor or police officer or nurse or general public. And so when you spend time, I set up that in under the tree for a reason. You know, if, if of course you're staying inside, you're, you're getting tired of staying inside, but you can go to your, your, your little garden. You can come to our temple garden. When you come here, I don't want you to you know, come inside. Let's sit down under the tree. Let's have a mindful and friendly conversation. So, you know, that, that's what we call nature is healing. When you sit under the tree, you feel the energy of the trees. You can smell the fresh air. Uh, oxygen coming from the trees. Right, it's true. That's true. I love sitting in nature. You can, you can listen, to, you can hear the birds chirping, right? Yeah. And it's also very soothing, very nice. And uh, so they, uh, uh, and then you can feel the cool breeze coming from different direction. So all these are kind of uh, uh, medicine for someone who's going through loneliness, suffering from loneliness, stress, uh, depression. Hmm? So, and then we also do uh, for 10, uh, 10 to 15 minutes guided mindfulness meditation. And this one hour session, 60 minute session, actually helps them a lot. It, that becomes a medicine for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that you um, are able to offer that work. Um, we are at about uh, one hour and 21 minutes. I don't want to take too much of, uh, of your schedule. Um, we appreciate you spending the time to talk to us very, very, very much. I mean, we can go on for probably another hour or so. Um, but wanted to ask you if there's anything, any advice that you can give, especially to our younger communities that are following this type of work, um, that are down here in the West and United States, um, what type of advice that you can you give to them during this time? Ways uh, to cope with, I guess, the ever-evolving times that we're in right now. Well, uh, it's it's a good a good question that you asked me. Well, let me tell you something. Don't worry about anything. Don't panic. You know, uh, I always uh, encourage people to sing a kindergarten song. <laughs> I want everyone to sing that song, you know? Do yeah. you know what it is? The kindergarten song? No, yeah. what is it? Yeah, what is that? I I love you, you love me. That one. Uh, that's, that's Barney, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is actually very, very deep, uh, practical, but very funny. Row, row, row. <laughs> down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Life is but a dream. Everything is, is impermanent. Everything changes. Don't hang on to anything. This pandemic shall pass too. Don't hang on to it. Don't panic. Uh, be mindful to keep rowing the boat of life kindly compassionately, gently, mindfully, consciously, harmoniously, (laughs) 
joyfully. Don't worry about anything. Just, you know, breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. Everything will be fine. Just see the bright side of everything. Just count on the blessings that you have. You already have so much on your plate that you're not appreciating. You know, there are so many people who are suffering from not having even a meal a day. Mm -hmm. But here we have so much. We have so much. We have at least the technology. Now we are <laughs> all the time here in Toronto, all the in California, we are connected. We are seeing one another. We can hear, we can talk, we can, you know, uh, have this mutual understanding. We need to be grateful for all this. Right? Absolutely. So be grateful for everything that you have. And you, you can't find anyone who has everything in life. You know, what we have here, maybe other people don't have them. What they have in their life, we don't have them here. <laughs> so life is always like that. So what you have to do is don't worry about anything. Just keep rowing the boat of life uh, happily, mindfully, by appreciating everything that you have in your life at this moment. And be kind to yourself. This, this is the most important thing. When somebody goes through a hard time, difficult time, uh, the best medicine is the kindness. Be kind to yourself. Uh, and, and panicking, you know, uh, worrying is not the way of uh, <laughs> loving yourself. It's actually being unkind to yourself. You know, be kind, be kind to yourself. And during this time, see whether you can do something good for others to make them happy. You know, for me, especially, let's say, I, I told you my story, how I spend, uh, people ask me, you know, oh, Bhante, so uh, how did you get through this? Uh, what did you do? So I said, well, I did not even have time to think about COVID-19 because my plate was full. <laughs> I was running all the programs, helping people. And I said, I'm very, I'm very grateful for myself for being able to offer such services to the public. And I was able to bring joy, happiness, hope, faith to so many people. And not only that, whatever uh, honorariums or generosity I received from uh, some people, I used that donation, that money to feed so many people in Bangladesh, you know, the poor people. And, and now when I reflect on all this, I feel so energized. I feel very happy. Mm -hmm. One thing, I want people to understand this, and this would be my last advice maybe, you know, maybe conversation with you, then we will finish this. One thing that, you know, don't, don't be negative, don't be pessimistic about anything, but be realistic. I always say to people, uh, uh, I talk about this, it's called optimistic realism or realistic optimism. Uh, be realistic, at the same time, be optimistic, okay? And uh, now, during this time, uh, we need to understand we are human beings. We are here not to live forever. There will come a day we will say goodbye to one another. Bye, <laughs> right? It's true, That's yeah. We will die. But before 
we say that final goodbye, always be mindful to do something good for others. Now, Eric and Jen, what you're doing right now is a wonderful thing. Through your podcast, maybe you're giving some hope, you're bringing some hope, good message, motivation, inspiration, words of wisdom to at least to some people. That is the best thing to do. You're doing something meaningful, right? Absolutely. And always do something meaningful for others. If you really believe in happiness and joy, you must understand joy comes from doing something good for others in whatever way you can. Do a, at least do a little act of kindness. Eh? And after, if, if you think you can't do little act of kindness for others, if you can't do any meaningful thing, good thing for others, then don't worry. At least try not to hurt anyone. That's the best thing you could do. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for spending your time and to come on with us and speak to our listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, very, very much appreciate it. Thank you for agreeing to do this. It was really, really enlightening. I definitely learned a lot. And uh, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom uh, with us and taking time out of your day, uh, especially out there in Canada. I know there's a time difference, so much gratitude. And we're very, very extremely grateful. So thank you. So for you, you do online meditation services that people can kind of tap into, right? Uh, Can they go to the CanadianMindfulNation.ca to view your work? Are you doing virtual sessions that way? I have two uh, websites. It's Mm -hmm. called uh, CanadaMindfulNation.ca. That's for my uh, uh, global movement. And other one is my um, uh, personal website. It's called urbanbuddhistmonk.org. And people always can find me in the social media, Instagram, urbanbuddhistmonk. And uh, <clears throat> even LinkedIn, <laughs> urbanbuddhistmonk, Bhante Saranapala, and Facebook, Bhante Saranapala. I normally give my weekly meditation programs uh, Facebook Live and uh, YouTube Live every Wednesday. So they can visit my social media timelines. Wonderful. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll include that um, obviously on the website. So um, definitely good luck to you and all the work that you do. Thank you for sharing your love and your light and your teaching with the rest of the world. And we all appreciate it. And hopefully we can touch base soon and talk more about kind of where we're at in our journeys, maybe post COVID. Yeah, you know? thank you for having me. And maybe both of you could start this. You know, let us call together uh, USA, a mindful and kind nation. How about that? I'm, I'm oh, down I for love that. that. Yes. I'm ready to go with that. Yes. Yes. Thank you for teaching us kindfulness. Really appreciated yes. that teaching, by the way. Absolutely. This is what the urban Buddhist monk does in the 21st century. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way to adapt to the times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start singing that song a little bit more. I think the... Row, row, row your boat. Row, row, row your boat. (laughs) Yeah. Because it takes the seriousness out of things, you know? It makes it nice, (laughs) lighthearted. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. But you know what? I actually, uh, I think this would be nice. Uh, there's another song actually I, I forgot to mention. Uh-huh. I, 
I'm actually teaching everyone. I sing it everywhere in my public speaking. It's actually, it, it, it helps everyone. Like, you know, especially the kids, even the adults, the big kids, they also can sing that. It's simple. It's called the wishing happiness to yourself, you and others. Uh, it's like, a, may I be well, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, may I be free. And then, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be free. Then, may all be well, may all be happy, may all be peaceful, may all be free. So maybe we can sing it together. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, you're gonna have to, I'm going to have to kind of go along with you, though. Uh, <laughs> may, may I be well, may I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be free. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be free. May I'll be well, may I'll be happy, may I'll be peaceful, may I'll be free. That should be a Hollywood kindful song. <laughs> we love it. I love that. You just put some, <laughs> put some drums behind it and like yeah. some synthesizers, you'd be good to go. Actually, in some uh, Montessori is Montessori's in the United States. Yeah, they, they they are singing this kindful song with their kids every day. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes sense in a Montessori too. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> All right, Bonte. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week and uh, stay safe. Thank you so much, and then we'll we'll talk to you soon. And you too. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah.